Hi friends, welcome and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. With the following sermon, our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, brings our series on the Apostles' Creed to a close. Just a reminder that you can find the entirety of this series online at cctf.org sermons or on the Christ Church app, which is available on Android and iOS devices. To find more information about the church to see what we have been doing and what we have coming up, be sure to explore our website or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Here's Pastor Jared with the closing message of our series. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Christ Church. Uh, I want to thank uh, Doug and Brenda for uh, leading us this morning. You know, it is fascinating while all the things that are going on here at Christ Church. Uh, all the family ministries. I want to encourage you, you know, as things are kicking off this September, to get involved in those things. Next week is Youth Sunday, and i got to tell you, it's, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't stress that enough. A lot of churches would say that it's kind of like Youth Sunday. It's kind of like a, kind of like a throwaway Sunday, or like I'm not going to come because it's the youth. It's not. It's going to be fantastic. Doug, Robbie, and the whole team has been working for months on this thing. It's going to be awesome. I, I want you to be there. You need to bring some folks with you. I know I already encouraged some folks that I met with uh, that, to be there this Sunday uh, as well because it, it's just going to be so powerful and life-changing for so many families when you understand what youth culture is all about. So I encourage you to be there. But our family ministries, it's great. There's so many things happening here. Yesterday there was a big training for our family ministries. Our men's retreat, I know, is uh, coming up. We have, uh, you're going to hear more about our women's ministry going on. Uh, our college ministry is, is booming and growing. And our Youth Sunday, you'll hear next week. It's just fantastic. It's a great time to be at Christ Church. So I encourage you, take this ticket and bring some in next week with you. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for today. We thank you for the fact that we can be uh, in your house here, Father, that we can uh, hear your word proclaimed, that we can celebrate you through through music father i pray that you speak through us now father i pray that my lips are your lips my heart is your heart father and that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear and that we walk out of this place changed i ask all this in the name of your son jesus amen well, you know, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we are in the Apostles' Creed series, and we've been going through each and every line of that creed, each statement. Uh, and it's been a great, it's been a great summer. And this, I can't even believe we're saying it, we are on the last, uh, last uh, sermon on that series, as we come to that very last line, I believe in life everlasting. It's going to be great. Last week, Pastor Jamie was here, and he was talking about, I believe in the resurrection of the body. And he, he said, uh, hey, by the way, if you have any questions, make sure you email me at, uh, at my email, jodd at ccgf. I want to thank Jamie for all those emails that I received all week um, from people, because there were a lot. And you know what's telling me is that it's really conjuring up a lot of thoughts and images. What does is, what is the resurrection of the body look like? What does life everlasting look like? What are the end times really going to be? And we've talked about all those things. You know, we started way back in the summer talking about uh, the very first line, I believe in God, creator of heaven and earth. And now we finish with, I believe in life everlasting. We began with God, we end with God. Appropriate that we just read in our passage that Doug read for us, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. That's what the creed is all about. We focus on him in the beginning, and my, my hope and prayer is that as we leave this place that we're going to focus on him as we leave. But it's really conjured up a lot of questions. I've gotten a lot of emails, a lot of people coming up to me saying, you know, what does that look like? What happens after we die? What does is, what is, uh, eternal life look like? What does heaven look like? It's probably going to be a great place. And here we have in our pastors, uh, gives us a little glimpse. But we all can conjure up images. I know this week, uh, 
my, uh, my wife and kids were, uh, were able to go and spend some time with uh, my family out in New Jersey. They, went to, they got to go to the beach. I got to stay and go to a board meeting. Uh, but uh, that was fun. So they were out there, and it was a great time. They had a good time out there. And uh, I remember calling my, uh, my family up, my, my mom. I talked to her. She was on the, the beach, and I, she was talking to me. I was just kind of checking in. I said, uh, and I, my daughter, uh, Langdon, ran up. I heard her in the background, and my mom said, hey, do you want to talk to your dad? She goes, no way. This is the best place ever. <laughs> now, two things hit me at the same time. First off, I was hit with the reality as my heart was ripped from my body that the best place ever involved me not even being there was one. And then I immediately thought that I grew up in New Jersey and I went to the Jersey Shore a lot. And the best place ever? Pass. I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't want to argue with an eight-year-old, but uh, the, heaven would, or the reality of the best place ever would not be the Jersey Shore. But we all think of those different images. We all think of that wonderful thing. What is the most glorious thing that we can think of? A lot of us would say, well, it's the day I married my, my wife or my husband or the day our, our children were born. Some of you I've talked to lately, the, the most glorious day is the day your kids are going off to college where they just like leave the house. We think of all those wonderful places. We think of those beautiful places too, don't we? Think of like the beach or maybe the mountains or like a, like a, a place of paradise, a wonderful place. We think of all those different things. What does heaven look like? What does the life eternal look like? My daughter, uh, they got back this weekend. I remember, you know, thinking about we're going to talk about this. And I, I did ask her. I said, you know, you said Jersey Shore is the best place ever. And I said, what, what, what do you think heaven will be like? She goes, well, I think it'll be a place full of, just full of puppies and kittens running around. And I thought... The thought of living in eternity with stray dogs and cats running around is more like a nightmare to me than, than heaven itself. But we all think of those different places, don't we? We think of, what's it going to be like? What does life eternal look like? What's great is that no matter how we describe it, that we can never fathom it. That's why 2 Corinthians 2.9 is so powerful. It says, however it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has ever conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, church, we could think of all day, we can come up with all kinds of adjectives of what we think it's going to be. But the reality is, as we close our eyes, we're, we're realized with we, a big smile comes across our face because we could never imagine it. It's just going to be that great. And that's my hope as we look at this is I want to make sure you're prepared. Secondly, I want to, ho- I, I want to make sure that our focus is there. Our focus is there. That's why Colossians 3, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We, we constantly are looking around at life and a lot of us are, are, are bitter or, or upset about what's happening with our own lives, our own bodies, our own families, or the culture around us. We're constantly saying, hey, keep your, keep your focus ahead of you. Don't look around you. You've got to keep your focus ahead of you. What's there? That's the hope we have. That's the hope that we have. You know, and Scripture doesn't say a whole lot of what heaven looks like. A lot of times we'll, we'll come up with different ideas, don't we? Well, people will write about it or draw pictures of it and we'll conjure up all these things. We could never imagine it. But Scripture does kind of talk about it a little bit. And that's my prayer is that as we look at this, that's where we keep our hope. That's where we keep our focus. What does life eternal look like? If last week what Jamie said was true, which it is, that I believe in the resurrection of the body, we know that we have eternal life somewhere. So what does that look like? I remember reading an article from an atheist, 
atheist said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in life after death. And the reason that he didn't believe in life after death was because he said, I could never imagine a place that never, ever ended. How boring would that be? And I could say, you know what? If it wasn't so glorious, yeah, it would be boring. But Scripture doesn't paint a picture that's so glorious that I can't wait. It's a newness of life everlasting. What does that look like? You know, as Scripture says in verse 5, you have your service sheets. Uh, Doug just read it for us. It says in verse 5, Behold, I'm making all things new. Write this, for the words are trustworthy and true. One of the things we want to say is, do you believe in the creed? When we say it, do you believe it? Trustworthy and true. What does that look like? What does the newness look like? It looks like this. First, it looks like a new creation. It looks like a new creation. Look at verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. Now, I guess it could be true that God could just transport us to a new solar system. But the scripture doesn't say that. He's going to make all things new. He's going to totally make all things new. A new heaven, new earth. The first earth and heaven had passed away and the sea was no more. So he's going to, he's going to start over. He's going to transform the whole thing. One of the things there, some people have caught on to this too, and people have asked questions about that, is why does verse 1 say, and the sea was no more? Why is there no water? Why is there no water? Well, a lot of theologians have speculated that it's a whole new life principle. What does water do for us here? It keeps us alive. We've got to have water. It's a whole new life principle. Creation is entirely different. We looked at, we just read verse, uh, verse 6. I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. If you look at Revelation 21, verse 17, it says, Whoever's thirsty, let him come. Whoever's wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. It's a whole new dynamic. It's a whole new way of things. It's a brand new creation. So, after this, next life, it's a whole new creation. Romans 8, the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay, brought in the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Things won't fall apart. It's not going to decay over time. It's a whole new creation. Isn't that great, church? Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared? Are you ready to go? Do you have the assurance of that? A whole new creation. Secondly, not only do we have a whole new creation, but Scripture is really clear that we have a whole new morality. A whole new morality. Look at verse 2. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I love the song that the worship team sang, the second song that we sang here, about a bride, husband or bride. The Bible always refers to that, the church in Christ as a, as a bride, husband and wife, joined together. It's almost like the worship team and us, we, it's almost like we, we plan that stuff out. But the song fits perfectly for the scripture. Because God's so holy, he couldn't be around sin, so we've got to have a new morality. It's a picture of the church, beautifully dressed. We've got to be prepared spiritually. We could never be in his presence with the sin in our life. So it's a brand new morality. A lot of us are really struggling with the idea that, you know, we come in and we have the sinner life, whether it's anxieties that we have, whether it's fears that we have, we're struggling with addictions that we have. We keep struggling. And one thing we hear a lot is I keep coming in and confessing the same sin over and over and over again. And that's good. We want to confess because we talked about a few weeks ago. We confess because he's what? He's faithful. He's just. He forgives us. But we still struggle. We get so frustrated that we're caught up in sin. Paul felt the same way in Romans. He says, for my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law 
of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Some of us get so frustrated that we keep dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. Sleepless nights, anxieties, fears, addictions, anger. What's great is that when we see heaven, the picture that we see here, the life everlasting, you know what that looks like? It looks like a new morality. You know, the other thing is we, we look at the world around us and all the atrocities and we go, man, could this ever be, could this ever be any different? Is any, would it ever change? It absolutely will. It's a new morality. Are you prepared, church? Are you focused there? Are you prepared? Not only do we have a new creation, not only do we have a new morality, we have a new body as well. Life everlasting. Look at verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor mourning, crying, no more pain, for the order of things have, have passed away. It's a brand new body. It's no more pain or tears. You know, one of the, one of the privileges I have as a pastor is to, to be with people at uh, the last moments of their life. You know, there's three funerals we have here this week. There's one um, doing one tomorrow. There's one on Tuesday, and there's one on Saturday here at Christ Church. So we mourn death. We celebrate life. A lot of births happening as well. It's just life. It is what it is. But I have the privilege of being called in various times to go and minister people when they're on their deathbed. And this week, I was got a call from uh, Miriam Bauer. Miriam Bauer is a lady. Um, elderly lady at our church, who, uh, whose husband we knew was really struggling uh, in his uh, older age, various things, lots of things. I mean, she named like eight things that he was dealing with. I thought, man, what? So he was moved to hospice this week, and so she asked if I could come and spend some last moments with him. And you know, what do you do? What do you do? A lot of people, especially new in ministry, would go, oh man, I would not want to do that. What do you say? What do you say when you walk in the room and he's laying there just grasping for air and excruciating pain? There's no wires hooked up to him. There's no pipes. There's nothing. No cords. They're just waiting any moment. Any moment. It could have been while I was there for a few seconds. It could have been uh, minutes later. It could have been hours later. But the family's there just crying. And so what do you say? What do you do? And you read this passage. That's what you do. No more tears. No more crying. No more death. The older things have passed away. You say, you know what? I know Clyde. I know he had a relationship with the Lord. I know he realized his need for a Savior. He couldn't save himself. I know he gave his life to the Lord. So I know he's going to be there when he dies. I know as soon as that moment hits that he passes from this life to the next, he's going to be there. There's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. And I told that to Miriam. I could just see her. You could just see her smile in the midst of her tears because she knows it. She's going to miss him, but she celebrates his life. She celebrates where he's going to be. It's a whole new body. It's a whole new way of things. That's why Philippians 3, our citizenship is really in heaven. We eagerly await for our Savior there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So whatever pain Clyde was experienced ended. And there's no more pain now. No more tears. Pure joy. And for Miriam, when I talked to her on Saturday, I... First thing she said is, yep, he's not suffering anymore, is he? No more pain. No more tears. You know, a lot of us look at our own bodies and uh, we, we feel like we didn't maybe get a very fair shake when it comes to our bodies, huh? 
We say, you know, we don't, we don't look a certain way or we don't uh, have the certain features uh, that some of the other people have. I do not get up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, man, God is good. I, I just, some of you may do that, but I not, I'm not saying that. Man, hey God, look at that. No way. Amazing. And we look at our bodies and you know, go, I wish, you know, when I exercise, I just wonder which ailment's going to come up first. That's, I mean, that's my guessing game. It's going to be my ankle, my shoulder, which one? Some of us say the same thing. We look at our own bodies. Some of us have major problems with our bodies. Some of us can't hear at all. Some of us can't see. Some of us have all kinds of issues. We have deformities. We have pains. We have aches. Not just physically, but emotionally. Again, we're laying in bed. We have anxieties and worries and fears. And we're, we're staying up awake, crying. I was met with somebody in my office this week. Just said, I, I can't sleep because I don't know what to do. It says in heaven, there's no more, no more tears. No more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. Oh, church, I can't wait. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Is that, what your, is that where your focus is? A new body. So not only do we have a new creation, not only have a new morality, not only have a new body, but finally, probably most important, is we have a new relationship with God. Look at verse 3. It's, it's a powerful verse. It's the one that really brings us all together. I heard from a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their God. You know, it is true, as we say here, that God dwells within us. Jesus promised never to leave us to the end of the age. But in the same sense, the same reality, we realize that we aren't home here. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. Jamie talked about that last week. We are always confident knowing that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We're confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I sold that to Miriam the other day. I said, you know what? His body is here. Now he's with our Heavenly Father. It's a new relationship. You know, last week, you know, some people have asked, like, how quickly, as we talk about resurrection of the body, we're there. How quickly does that happen? Last week, Pastor Jamie talked about the thief and the cross, and he talked about how, you know, when Christ is on the cross, there's two crosses next to him, both thieves. And, and Jesus looked over at the one and said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. The thief recognized that he was a sinner. Christ was innocent, that he was dying for him. So he said, hey, Christ, remember me when we all get home. And, and, and Jesus said, well, today you'll be with me in paradise. How terribly tragic if Jesus would have said, today you'll be in paradise. It's not paradise if Jesus isn't there. That's what it's all about. It's not paradise because we have a new body. It's not paradise because we get to see the loved ones that we, that we have lost here. Yes, there'll be a reunion. We'll probably recognize them. But it's not paradise. It's not heaven because we get to spend time with our, our spouses or our children or our fathers or our mothers. People talk about it all the time. I can't wait to get to heaven so I can see my spouse that died. I say that is, that is absolutely terrific. But it's not heaven because they're there. It's heaven because God's there. That's what the scripture talks about. It says he, God's dwelling place is now with the people. I'm making all things new. The relationship was with God in heaven. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Or paradisos, which means garden. The same term used in the Garden of Eden. Today you'll be with me. Because God's there. You know, I think about that thief on the cross. And I thought about it from time to time. He's sitting, you know, he's on the cross. He's, he's going to die any moment. 
I can't imagine that he felt really loved at that point. I'm sure he lived a life probably fairly lonely, kind of alone, always kind of by himself, doing things. Always kind of felt that pain of rejection where he said, you know, I'm not good enough. And Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. I wonder what the thief was thinking. Like, I'm, I'm going to die on the cross here. How could I ever make up for that? How could I ever make up for my failed life? Jesus said, it has nothing to do with, nothing to do with you getting off the cross and, and earning your salvation. It has everything to do with me and the grace that I'm going to give. I'm here for you. Some of you are in here thinking, there's no way Jesus would ever want to have a relationship with me. And I say, I couldn't be further from the truth. You felt alone. You felt like you've lived a terrible life. You feel guilty being in church this morning. And I say, it couldn't be further from the truth. It was true for the thief on the cross, and it's true for you. God created us not just to tend the garden, but to have a relationship with him. That's what he wants. That's why he died. And we have that hope that we will have that relationship. That's why William Grinnell said, let your hope of heaven master your fear of death. It's a new relationship. Are you prepared, church? Have you made that commitment to say, you know what, it has nothing to do with me trying to earn my salvation. It's clear that scripture, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's by grace that we're saved through faith. By grace, not of works, so that no one can boast. I don't think the thief on the cross was boasting a whole lot about the works that he's done. But I bet he was boasting because he knows, listen, today I'm going to be in, in paradise with my heavenly Father. Are you there? Are you prepared? D.L. Moody says, we talk about heaven being so far away, it's within speaking distance of those who belong there. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. So are you prepared? Have you given your life over to our Heavenly Father? Have you said, you know what? There's nothing I can do to earn salvation. I ask, Lord, that you forgive my sins and come into my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. Are you prepared? There's nothing more than the pastor, myself, Pastor Doug, Brad, and the band. Nothing more than for you to walk out of here knowing full well that when you say, I believe in life everlasting, that that everlasting is in heaven. You know, we read that verse. That last verse is a tough verse we read. Verse 8. Those the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, and all the, all the, uh, the murderers, the sexual mortar, those practicing magic arts will be consigned to a fiery lake of burning sulfur. And I, I remember, I was listening to Doug while I was reading that, that passage, and the first part of that passage, 21, 1 through 7, is like really good. It's uplifting, you know, talking about heaven. Then you read that passage, and I heard somebody in the back go, oh, I mean, like it was visible, oh. And a lot of churches would say, you know what, we're not going to touch that verse. But it's a reality. And it, because they would say, well, there's fear there. What you're trying to do is uh, there's fear that you're only going to be in heaven because of, because of the, the, the other option. And I say, I have no fear at all. I have absolutely no fear of that. I'm excited about the new heaven. I'm excited about being, having a new body. I'm excited about having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I want you to have that too. I want you to walk out of here with absolutely no fear. Are you prepared, church? Are you prepared? This series has been a powerful series as we've gone through it. Because it really brings in the glimpse some of the, the pictures of the afterlife. What happens at the end of our life? And I'm hopeful that you walk out of here, it'll be like Clyde, knowing that you're in full well, you'll be in heaven when you die. And that your family can rest assured that you have that same hope. That's the best part about it. There's nothing to fear. It's going to be a new body, new creation, new morality. 
And more importantly, a new relationship with our Heavenly Father as we stand there seeing Him face to face. How great is that? So I'm going to ask you to stand now as we conclude our sermon one more time with saying the Apostles' Creed. I hope that this series has been an influence to you, that when you say this, that you can actually say it with confidence and assurance. We're going to continue to say it throughout our services uh, here at Christ Church. Uh, But we come to the close of this. We say together with full confidence and assurance, when I ask you, what do you believe in? We could say this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? You know, I can't wait for that day. Can't wait for the day that when I pass from this life to the next, that I get to stand and see God face to face. I hope that you're prepared. And I hope that you keep your eyes fixed on that. Because it's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. You know, I was reminded as we close here of Moses. Moses longed to see God's face. And God said, you can't see my face because you, you die. You would never be able to, to, to handle being, seeing me face to face. You could never do it. So he told Moses, he said, go stand on the rock. I'm going to cover you while you walk past and, and then you can look at my back. That was the best Moses got. For us, we get to stand in heaven. We get to see him face to face because everything's new. New creation, new body, new morality, new relationship with our Heavenly Father. Are you prepared for that? I hope you are. The body that aches, the anxieties that I have, the, the things that are going on in your life, the immorality all around, all around us, the atrocities, it's, it's going to make all things new. It's going to make all things new. When we get to heaven, we get to stand face to face with him. He's going to say, see, I told you, I'm going to make everything new. Now, welcome home. Welcome home. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you for the fact that you're making all things new. Father, I pray that you be with that one, two, maybe three people in here, Father, who maybe have never made that commitment to you, Father, that, they, that they're prepared as they leave this place, that they realize that they can't do it on their own, that they need you. So, Father... Be with them. And if you're that person, it's just a matter of praying a prayer and saying, Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Come save me. Thank you for saving me today. Oh, Father, forgive our sins, Lord. Forgive us for what we've done. And Father, I pray for the rest of us that that's our focus. That's the hope we have. No matter what's going on in the world around us, that we have hope knowing that this life is just temporary, that really our home is with you. So thank you for that. We thank you for the fact that you're going to make all things new, that you're going to do exactly what you said you're going to do. And you're going to welcome us all home with open arms. Be with us in the days ahead. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.